All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. I am so glad to be back here with all of you guys, especially after a long, much needed uh, time off. Feels so good, feels so refreshed, and I'm just glad to be here with all of you guys. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching and listening to me today. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow all of us on our social media platforms under the network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and hit the notification button for all future shows and for also other shows on the network. And also, uh, we're on Twitch. Follow us up on Twitch as well. And follow us on Spotify for all of the latest podcast episodes. I'm so glad to be here with all of you guys. I hope all of you guys have had a great weekend. Uh, I certainly did for sure. Um, as you can see today, I'm working in a more remote area as of this morning. Uh, certainly didn't want to end up getting up <clears throat> very, very early, but what can I say? I'm quite the early morning riser. That's exactly what work does to you at times. But, you know, <clears throat> I started to kind of think a little bit on um, on just basically this whole weekend. And... Um, Again, I'm glad to be here with all of you guys. I feel, as of today, I feel super refreshed. I feel focused. And at the same time, I think I feel more relieved. And thank you so much, the big homie. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I feel so relieved. You know, and and taking at least a couple of days off, uh, where I ended up going to, <clears throat> just before starting the show, uh, went out to Utah. Ended up having some great fun about there. Uh, camped out. The campsite was amazing, and you know we did a, basically a lot of camping stuff, fishing, uh, chilling out with great group of friends. And um, <laughs> what's going on, Butcher Block? <laughs> uh huh. Hey, I get up at at least. 5 45 every every morning that that's not e that that that's not even a bluff that's a that's a real thing um <laughs> so you feel me exactly on that um but <clears throat> yeah beautiful weather 70 degrees all day and about 40 close to 35 at night and it been out there since sunday and we get we i had just gotten home uh, just around like 5.30, 6 o'clock Pacific time uh, out here in Vegas. And so uh, I've, I feel so much better after the trip, you know, and, and especially with the way that the world has shaped itself as of right now and even before then. Um, what's going on, Keith? Um, yeah, it's a close game. I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it had been fun. It had been really, really fun. It was definitely a day worth needed, a uh, whole weekend, I should say. Um, but I feel very refreshed, and I'm very glad to be here with all of you guys as well, because we do have an awful lot of topics to get off my chest and off my shoulders. So let's go ahead and start the show this way. So I'm going to shift to this. I know what all of you are going to say to me, and I've already known exactly the responses that everybody was going to give me anyway, even on my time off. Because there are two things. 
Jake, what happened? You said that the Clippers were going to end up making the NBA Finals. You said that this was exactly the championship year. What happened? And then, of course, there's opposed to the other side of things. Oh, Jake, you said that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to make it to the Stanley Cup final and they were going to end up winning it all. And that didn't happen. So sometimes there are certain things in our lives where the cards don't often go about our way. They don't always go about our way that easily. Um, and this is what's interesting. So let me just start with the NBA. First and foremost, the LA Clippers losing to the Denver Nuggets. And I give kudos to the Denver Nuggets big time. They're playing against LA and they're in the Western Conference Championships. Kudos to the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray, he basically put his money where my mouth is, and he very much, he outperformed. That is something to where, to me, and even as any sports talk guy or even an analyst would turn around and say, Jamal Murray is a hell of a player. He's a hell of a shooter getting the job done, especially against a team who you know from top to bottom was stacked. They were stacked with different role players. The only problem that the Clippers had was basically management. And it seemed like it was a chemistry issue. Now think of it this way. Kawhi Leonard, as we all know, is a guy that doesn't usually talk a whole lot. He's a guy that's very, he, quote unquote, silent assassin. He's that type of player. He's the kind that is very defensive, that he'll disrupt any passing game on the offense, and he'll take it to the basket, and he'll make something out of it. That is the one thing Kawhi Leonard is so good at doing. And he's also one of the best, I would say, currently right now in the NBA, probably one of the best mid-range jumpers that I've seen in, in the game. And he's the type that if you ask a player, give me important points on the floor, he will do it. And the way that that series was, was the way that that series was met, that was something that, of course, came to the coaching staff, as Butcher Blocks mentioned. Yeah, I, I do agree that I think that there were some Doc Rivers issues. It came to the coaching staff. It then also came to the chemistry of the players. Because think about it. I had a long conversation with my colleague about this off the air. And I had to convince him. Now, again, we're two professionals. We both have our own opinions. My opinion was this, that Kawhi Leonard all throughout the playoffs and before ending that series going home, Kawhi was the one player that I think throughout the playoffs worked his tail off and had done everything that he could until that last game, it seemed like he was getting burnt out. And it seemed like he was getting gassed. Scoring about 14, 16 points. Not really getting at least best opportunity shots, whether it was within the paint or it was you know, outside the wing, out on the three-point line. 
it then made it feel like he was getting gassed out. Because I'll be honest with you, I looked at some of the concerns with guys like Paul George. Paul George, and I mentioned about this, that only three games in the playoffs has he showed up. He's put up 25-plus points. The second that those points are lowered to about 15, then to 10, and maybe close to 9, you have a serious issue. And I think part of that may have been coaching issues. Part of that may have been chemistry issues. I mean, still, it was a hell of a series. Don't get me wrong. I thought that series was going to end up ending in six. But Denver showed you, too, how urgent that that team was and how just how determined this type of team was going to be going in to the series. I mean, Nikola Jokic, he had one role, second-chance shots, rebounds, defending the rim. But also, he's probably one of the most elite passing centers I've ever seen in the NBA. And Jamal Murray, you know, it's funny. I talk so much about Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and I do talk an awful lot about um about Donovan Mitchell. But Jamal Murray now has caught my attention. The fact that I watching him throughout the series and then watching him from the series prior to coming into playing the Clippers is showing you that Jamal Murray is capable of anything. And he's capable of making the shots that if you bring it his way, but here's also another important role player, Michael Porter Jr. That kid can ball. That kid has shown you multiple times why I think he belongs in the NBA and why that I think he belongs in the position that he's in. And this is a kid that has been a big-time catalyst when it came to important role players at the right position at the right time. The Clippers were falling apart the second that they had their backs against the wall. You now had to, you now had to ask Kawhi so much more. Ask Kawhi for a block. Ask Kawhi for a steal. Ask Kawhi for a bucket. You then had your backs against the wall, and now you're forcing and you're pressurizing everything on the floor just to get yourselves within that, within at least two, if not tie it. And sometimes that is difficult in the NBA because the only thing that can ensure that the team plays well is when you have a leading score. 10, 15 point cushion. It's a game changer. Um, now, of course, Paul George and how I ended up reacting to this. Paul George thought that this was not a waste. I don't know about you, PG, but I feel like that this kind of was a, a fluke. I felt like this kind of was. Because you don't just go at the beginning of the season, before this whole pandemic started. You go and get Kawhi. You sign him. Kawhi had choices. He either wanted to stay in Toronto or go to the Lakers, but he chose the Clippers. He chose a franchise that, by the way, are 0-8 when it comes to facing elimination. They're 0-8. A losing franchise 
that, again, when it comes to the Lakers, it's Laker town in Los Angeles. I'm only, again, I'm not an I'm not a NBA team fan, but I am a player fan. I give Kawhi a lot of respect only because this is a man who has defeated two different dynasties. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh in the Heat. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, KD, Draymond, and the Warriors. Two big-time dynasties. Kawhi was able to do that. But Kawhi was also on teams like San Antonio, where you already had a chemistry build. And that all starts with Greg Popovich, and then it leads to Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, and so many others. Then you're there in Toronto, who, by the way, Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach. And then you got all these players, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. Many of these guys who, who he elevated at their absolute best. But they were a really good defensive team. I mean, they pushed Giannis around. But goes to the Clippers in hopes that he can lead a championship to this franchise and to this organization. And was one to say, we'll make this happen if you trade for Paul George. You bring Paul George over, they did just that. But then Paul George, during the playoffs, only three games did he show up, and the rest of it, he was flat. Going back to kind of the typical way when he was in Indiana, at least toward the end of it. So, then of course, um, this is kind of something that's interesting. And this is also a team that made many trades all throughout the trade deadline to stack their roster with role players and also guys that express an awful lot of toughness. You know, and that's the thing. You make all these trades, you make a, a big time free agent splash signing in hopes to win a championship, to no longer be the low balls of the NBA let alone be the low ball of Los Angeles. So to say that this was not a waste, I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't know about that one. I feel like that it kind of was because all this hype, all about trying to win a championship. Again, I'm not putting anything on Kawhi, but, <clears throat> but just the whole setup itself from the coaching staff to the chemistry of the players. Just obviously the cards didn't fold their way. It didn't end up folding their way. But coming up next, I'm going to talk a lot more about the NHL because of course I got to end up coming clean with something that, but I'm not going to end up surrendering anything to at least for the viewers, for the media, any of that. Because I am my own person and I do stand behind my thoughts, my opinions, my logics, all of that. But I'll break down what is going to be next for Vegas at this point. Because now the Stanley Cup final is set. It's Tampa Bay. As I mentioned, they were going to end up getting in, and now the Dallas Stars. So it's going to be an interesting Stanley Cup final. But I'll explain more about what the future now beholds for the Vegas Golden Knights up to this point. After disappointing, um, after disappointing loss. 
against Dallas. And I'll also start talking a little bit more about some NFL action because week two, we had some interesting stuff. And I got something that I think is finally going to clear all the smoke in the air. You don't want to end up missing that. Snake Sports Talk Show coming back here on the Spotlight Sports Network.
you guys are just tuning in here to the Snake Sports Talk Show, welcome back. I really do appreciate all of you guys tuning in this morning. Hope all of you guys are having a great Monday. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, when I was up on vacation, I mean, didn't even waste a moment. Um, myself and a lot of our good friends as well, and even my pops, we ended up going out to uh, a couple of lakes, a couple of streams, and ended up catching a bunch of trout. I caught at least three fish throughout the weekend. And the other thing that I also have, and people can also look at my social media as well. Um, and I got a lot of beautiful pictures. I mean, it's a site. It's it's a scenery. Um, but I do have a video of me. And basically what I'm doing is called float tubing. And that's floating up on water. You got a float. You got your fishing pole. And you're just basically letting the wind carry the streams or carry the waters wherever you're at. And you're just at a spot where you're propped up. You're, you've got your fishing pole right there, casted, and you're ready to catch a, you know, you're ready to catch a biggin. Um, <laughs> uh, so much fun. And first time ever doing it too. And I thought it was a great time. Um, again, beautiful weather and just beautiful scenery. I mean, those are kind of the things that you look at in life, and you're just, you, you just appreciate so much about what life has to offer and what it is built. And that is kind of something that in my mind and people that know me personally is my kind of paradise. I love being somewhere where the ga- where the grass is greener every day, front and backyard. Um that's always been my my envisioning dream. It's always been my type of ideal house where who knows what the future holds. But something like that to where it's simple life, nothing complex, nothing to where I now have to deal with the cluster, the congestion sometimes of of city life. I mean, look, just because I live in Vegas does not mean that me personally, I'm of the city life. I'm very small town minded. I just unfortunately live in a big in a big city. But. I make the absolute best that I can, and I'm basically here entertaining all of you guys, having great times, and uh, I love doing what I do here. But sometimes, too, when it comes to, you know, you envision yourself 30, 40 years from now, you know, you think of being in the ideal place that you just, you just kind of sit back and you, you soak it all in. And that's kind of something that I'm awaiting to do. I mean, 25 years old, still building up. That's kind of something that I've always had on the back of my mind as far as envisioning and as far as uh, building for a potential future like that. And that is something that um, that I can't wait to be in that type of moment. Um, so, of course, as I mentioned, I mentioned about the Clippers earlier, um, just just before going into break. Um, so talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, I know a lot of people had responses. They want my opinions on it and everything else. Listen, speaking amongst a, a reasonable, not just fan, but even a reasonable sports talk guy like myself, that when it comes to seeing a lot of different perspectives, you want to capture all of it. You want to have all of the explanations, the opinions, and really just everything that you needed to know and to weigh out the outcome of what happened all throughout the series. 
So, of course, I did mention thinking that Vegas was going to end up making it to the Stanley Cup final. I did. I was very confident within that. Because this is a team that has made changes. They made serious changes because they wanted to push for the Cup. But then, all that changed, and all of that really got tested the second they faced the Dallas Stars. And Dallas and a lot of people that I've talked to and I mentioned, I never anticipated Dallas to get this far. But I will say this. This was a type of team nobody should have ever slept on. Not even through this whole playoffs. Regardless of how far that they make it. This is a team that is very defensive-minded and a team that will attack you in open areas when they have the opportunity. Jamie Benn had been the catalyst throughout this whole series and the catalyst to even where they are now in the final. But then you're talking about young defensive core players. Miro Haskinen, Essa Lindell, uh, John Klingberg. There is an awful lot of really, really good top-tier defensemen. And then you have Anton Kudobin. And this is without Ben Bishop right now. And Kudobin is very much fitting the bill. And this is kind of the thing that... And, and, and this is a scenario where a backup goaltender comes in and now he's he's taken over. Because Ben Bishop... He's an elite goaltender, stops a bunch of pucks. I mean, you could look statistically what the stats will tell you. The fact that he has a greater save percentage, not to mention goals against average, than amongst elite goaltenders. Tuka Rask, Andre Vasilevsky, lots of these guys. And he's a hell of a player. But once an injury happened, Kadoman comes in, and now he's just taking the whole league by storm in the playoffs. And usually that's exactly what happens sometimes to certain players. There are players that aren't just fit for, for regular season, but by the time the playoffs come, you just have this certain spark and you have this certain, you have this certain, you have just a certain feel in the playoffs that something interesting is going to happen all throughout it. And that's usually what happens. Um, What's going on, Troxel? Uh, glad to glad to be uh, for you to be here, my friend. Uh, I got a lot to talk about as well with the NFL, but um, but the thing of it is, a lot of people wanted my explanation on the Vegas Golden Knights. Understand this: the Cup in three years that now became a disappointment. They make it to the Cup the very first year. I would say it was a fluke only because there was a battle cry they leaned on, and then since then, it hadn't been the same. They now had to look for a different identity. I felt like they, they found it, but now they're still kind of looking in. And this is also a team that once again, because we were in the same position and the same place when a lot of these, when a lot of these moves happen, okay, again, Reasonable organizations with reasonable front office people, the ones who see not just for what's currently there, but for what's beyond, they will make decisions 
and they don't even give a rip about what I say, and they certainly won't give a rip about what you think. That is exactly how some of these franchises run. They do not make moves based upon emotions. Because all I kept on hearing was this. Oh, why did the Vegas Golden Knights get Pete DeBoer? He's a San Jose Shark coach. I don't like this move. Or the time like this. Why did they pick up Robin Leonard? We didn't need to go to We got Flurry. He's one of the best of the best. Organizations who are smart enough in their front offices don't make decisions based upon what fan base thinks and how they feel. That's not what they do. I know a lot of you are all concerned because at the end of the day, Robin Leonard's got a five-year extension. And then people are going to say, well, what, what, uh, what's going to happen with Flurry? What's going to happen with him? Understand something. We were in the same position. You didn't like the fact that Pete DeBoer came in at a time where the team was struggling and Gerard Gallant was shown the door. You, were, you didn't like it when I said in that 6-5 to five overtime game against the Anaheim Ducks, you didn't like it with the fact that I said that the Golden Knights needed a goaltender at that point because they don't have a capable backup. And now here we are again, the same, the same story over and over again with the same mooding. Because honestly, I mean, look, Raiders play today. Raiders play tonight. They're at home. It's the New Orleans Saints. How do you think that this, how do you think the atmosphere is going to feel with that? You have a city that is now officially on the map when it comes to professional sports. And a whole lot of it, and a lot of people, lots of people I know in the chats understand this. And one of them is absolutely right. you got to upgrade the roster and build it to the front office's image and into the coach's image. That's exactly right. It is. And at the same time, you're also building for a future that is not just for that one year. It's a future for five, seven years from now. And that is something that front offices make changes for. Gerard Gallant, I liked him as a coach. I thought he was definitely hard-headed. He was the type of guy that will put his boot on the ground when somebody made a mistake. And he will be blunt and honest with you. But at the same time, they were losing games. What was the deal? The team didn't look aggressive enough. So then a change needed to happen. Pete DeBoer comes in, and he is a hell of a coach by far. People will tell me otherwise. I still think he's a hell of a coach, regardless whether he was in San Jose or in any other places. <clears throat> and exactly, to win on a constant basis. Basically, win more than lose more. And that was something that the Vegas Golden Knights needed to make. The other thing, they made upgrades. Defense, Alec Martinez. Offense, Nick Cousins. Goaltending, Robin Leonard. That was a team that was wanting to push for the cup that bad. 
the second the moves were made. But then by the time they get all the way till the pandemic hits, now we have to restart. Now we got to find a way to start the playoffs. We get to this point. They played seven games against Vancouver. A team that, as I've said, if you shut the offense down, they're vulnerable. Quinn Hughes was getting pushed around. Defense didn't look as great. <clears throat> but man, did did Thatcher Demko look something else? But that is something that the Golden Knights needed to take advantage of. And by the time that they got against Dallas, they were gassed. They were burnt out. Don't lecture the fact. Don't lecture me about as far as what the coaching staff had done, because the coaching staff was just fine. And don't lecture me too about the goaltending issue. Because again, listen, I love Marc-Andre Fleury. I really, really do. The man is 39. Not exactly the same reactioned player that he once was. Not saying that he's done. He's completely out of it. But, but it's a change. That's a change for its mere future. And a lot of these times, there are certain players that I can distinguish saying that is a player who wants to win a cup. And I've said this over and over again. A couple of guys, Shea Theodore, Riley Smith, Alex Tuck, those were three impactful players that wanted to win a cup. And that was more than just what the upgrades they picked up, the coaching change all throughout the year. That's more than that. They wanted to win the cup that bad. You saw it by how they carried the puck, how they how they basically expressed their um, their overpowering offense. That was how they did it. But then the rest of them were not on the whole. Where was Mark Stone? Where was Max Pacioretty? Where was Jonathan Marchessault? Where was all of these top-tier guys on the offense throughout it all? They disappeared. This is where I think it's similar to the Clippers. You make all these moves. Paul George disappears. Um, lots of these other players disappear, except for Montrezl Harrell and so many others. It just doesn't make sense to me. But the coaching staff is fine. You're getting a future with Robin Leonard. I mean, the kid is a hell of a player. The only thing that he's hoped for is hope to find a home. He jumped around so many places. Went from Ottawa to Buffalo to the Islanders to the Blackhawks. And finally comes to the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's got a home. Kelly McCrimmon, general manager, he knows what he's doing. And this is a move for the mere future because you have to think about it. I said this during the season the, the Golden Knights need to work on their future. That's Nick Haig. That's Cody Glass, Dylan Coughlin, and probably Dylan Ferguson, goaltender. Those are the futures that they now have to work with. And that is something that, again, I think is going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. But I also do believe that the Vegas Golden Knights are not that far from potentially winning a cup. But it does take a lot of work. It's hard to win it. It's hard to get into it in the first place. But the cup in three, you can throw that away now. But they have been in the playoffs for three straight years. And they've even said playoffs in five. So now you have two more years of, <clears throat> of making the playoffs. You got two more years to hopefully make the playoffs. If you win a cup in one of those, 
hey, it's a better sounding. But eventually this organization is going to win the cup because this is an organization that are full of smart people, smart, innovative people that see things far beyond, not just for what it is. They see it from far beyond. All right, coming up next, I'll be talking a lot more on the NFL action and stuff like that from week two because this is one that you don't want to end up missing because finally, finally, there is going to be smoke that is going to be cleared out of the air, and I hope all of you can understand that also. Uh, gonna Got to groom the next goaltender. Yeah, yeah Marc-Andre Fleury ain't no young chicken anymore. Without the next guy, that's going to take over at goaltender, so the future will be bright. You don't want to be a Lions fan. <laughs> hey, Troxel, I feel you on that, but you don't want to end up missing this because finally, I'm hoping, and I spoke with you about this, and I spoke with a lot of people on this. Bobby knows this too. Um, you all are finally going to understand why the Chargers are going to finish the way that they the way that they will. I'm going to explain that more coming up next. Snake Sports Talk Show, Spotlight Sports Network.
All right, back back up on here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Sorry about the long lay, long delay. I had a little bit of something kind of come up and stuff, but back up on here. I knew it was a little bit of a long day, uh, long delay, but my apologies. We're finally back up on here. So, uh, so we had a lot of NFL action and a lot of different, uh, you know, a lot of different teams that we kind of outlooked, and some that I think, you know, we already kind of have a look at what these teams are going to look like this year. And what the future beholds. But I have one thing that I got to end up clearing the smoke out of the air on this one. Just before um, going into hour two into the show. So this was my thought. Everybody gave me crap when I said that the LA Chargers were going to go 11-5 before the season started. And I heard the same responses. What about the quarterback? What about it? You've got Tyrod Taylor, who throws 61% of his throws, hardly makes mistakes. The only unfortunates is, could he stay healthy? He's had numerous injuries when he was in Buffalo. Um, and then he, he got switched out by Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. And that was when Hugh Jackson was the was the coach. So, of course, Tyrod Taylor's used to something like this. Understand that he signed a two year contract. The first year, you you served as Philip Rivers' backup. <coughs> My apologies. Um, this this is now the second year of his contract, and the final year, and you're now the starting quarterback. So. Unfortunate and good news as well um, with Tyrod Taylor that he will be cleared from the hospital after experiencing chest pains. So very, very happy to hear about that. Um, and he'll be returning to practice shortly. Um, but you watched yesterday. You watched that game against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. The only thing that a lot of people always have a feeling against the Chargers is, oh, that, that, this is going to be pretty ugly. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes, they got an offense, they got all of this and that. But this is exactly what I was talking about. Regardless of the loss uh, yesterday, 23-20. Regardless. I mean, the defense was all over Patrick Mahomes. The offensive line collapsed majority of the time. Patrick Mahomes was running left and right. But here's the other thing. I talked with my colleague about this. Is that in comes now Justin Herbert. And he came in at a time, a series of unfortunate events, very shortened than what I expected. But he did not disappoint. Justin Herbert, 22 of 33 passes completed. He had two touchdowns, one a rushing, one a passing. And then he had one pick, 311 passing yards. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about Justin Herbert? And what does that tell you for the Chargers' for the Chargers potential? I'll tell you what it is. There's a reason why Tom Telesco and 
there's a reason why Tom Telesco made it this way. What's going on, Gully? Thank you so much, man. I'm so glad to be back. But there is a reason that Tom Telesco extended the important players that he needed to. That's Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa. They restructured the contract of Melvin Ingram. And they picked up a lot of draft draft picks. Justin Herbert, Josh Kelly, Aloe uh, Gilman, KJ Hill. They picked up an awful lot of really, really good draftees and a lot of really good players. And his quarterback rating also in that game was at a 9-4. What does that tell you? This is telling you that the Chargers' future is very bright. And this is a team that, again, I will, I've said this. I'm not worried about that loss. I'm not worried about that loss. 23-20? You know what loss I would have been worried about? Is a 35-10 loss against Kansas City. Because then that would have told you that Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Kansas City, they got this division. They own the Chargers. But if you think about it, Denver right now is 0-2. Jeff Locke didn't look his best, or Drew Locke didn't look his best. Um, You got Monday Night Football tonight. Saints, Raiders. I feel like the Saints are going to end up beating the Raiders at, uh, on the road. It's a tough game. But you're in a new stadium. No fans. Not sure exactly how the atmosphere is going to be like. But <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. But the other thing. And this is where I have also am going to say this. After watching Justin Herbert's game, and a lot of people said, well, it's one game, Jake. Settle down. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm not looking at just the one game. I'm looking at the games far beyond. This is a matchup. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the AFC West division. That is going to be a fun-filled matchup for the next 10 years. Because Patrick Mahomes got a fat contract extension. Justin Herbert is just playing his rookie year this year. But man, when I tell you all the throws, all of the um, the decisions he made. And look, Joe Burrow made one rookie mistake in week one against the Chargers. And after that, he pulled it off. Constant pass plays completions almost took almost won the game he almost won the game what does that tell you now about young quarterbacks in this league you see that with joe burrow you see that with lamar jackson you see that with josh allen josh allen by the way can throw a deep ball don't lowball it he can throw a deep ball um patrick mahomes or Kyler Murray. Lots of these young quarterbacks that are coming into this league now, they're getting better and better. You didn't see this years ago. You didn't see this in the 70s. 
or even in the 80s, you didn't see this entire group of really good quarterbacks come into the league and play the way that they are now. We didn't have this years ago. And witnessing it now, that's where we start to appreciate the talent more and more. I know it's only one game with Justin Herbert, but you're not seeing from the future that I see. This is specifically the reason why I still stood behind my prediction, Chargers go 11-5. and It was never about the quarterback positioning because Tyrod Taylor is a nice guy. But the future is not shaped for Tyrod Taylor. The future is shaped for the young man that you just watched yesterday. Regardless of a close loss on a field goal, that is what the future is shaped for. Do you understand now what I've been trying to say in the last couple of days and even in the last couple of weeks? Do you understand now why I put that point out? Because now he looks he God, he looks like a damn good quarterback. You watch those throws and you watch his decision making. That is a kid that I think his future is going to be bright and his future is going to be successful for the next 10 years ahead. Hell, if we get close enough and the Chargers do everything right, hell, they may actually want they may actually end up walking away with a Super Bowl soon. But this is only the first step. This is the first step. But man, I loved it. I loved every moment of that game. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. That is a showdown for 10 years. I cannot wait to constantly sit back on my couch, turn on the television, and watch that game all through and through, all four quarters. Because that's what it's meant to be. In the NFL. That's what it's meant to be is matchups like this. Listen, how many times have we have we asked about getting a Brady Breeze matchup? Or maybe more than that. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun for 10 years. Hour two coming up next here on the Snake Sports Talk Show live on the Spotlight Sports.
right, folks, hour two. We are live in the 702 in Las Vegas. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching and listening here on the Spotlight Sports Network. You can like us and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Spotify, all the latest social medias, podcast, uh, podcast episodes. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channels of the Spotlight Sports Network. Hit the bell button. Like for all of the latest shows and future episodes ahead. And also, we are on Twitch. Follow us there as well on the Spotlight Sports Network. Really, really do appreciate and love all of you guys being here today on a Monday. And yes, it is very rare that I actually do have a show on Monday, but had to make it up all throughout the weekend. It was a fun-filled, jam-packed weekend, much needed. I was very happy and excited for it. I feel refreshed. I feel focused. And I feel like I am ready to go on all gears with this season. Because this NFL season is jam-packed with so much potential. And that is where it's going to be interesting. It's already interesting enough. You're seeing futures... Beyond your very eyes. We watched that with Kyler Murray and how he played yesterday. I thought he played great. Um, the Dallas Cowboys game and the Atlanta Falcons, that was a that was a complete head scratcher for the Atlanta Falcons. I don't understand it. That is a team that is in the hot seat along with the New York Jets. And I just feel like that I just don't think that this is going to be working out making bonehead mistakes, something like that that then just cost you the whole game. And that was something that was a complete dud for the Atlanta Falcons. The other end of it, Josh Allen, Josh Allen can play. And Stefan Diggs was absolutely the answer to Buffalo's problem when it came to needing a wide receiver in the backfield, needing a guy that is willing to catch those deep ball throws that Josh Allen can and will throw. And it's worked. And Josh Allen had a hell of a game. And by the way, all of everybody now is finally starting to get it with Russell Wilson. They are finally starting to understand it with Russell Wilson. Okay. You had five total touchdowns last night. Beat Cam Newton in the New England Patriots. It was back and forth game. They managed to beat it out. But Russell Wilson He's elevated his game. And he's showing you why he is capable of being an NFL MVP. The numbers he puts up, the decisions he makes. I mean, he threw literally to everybody. He threw it to everybody. He doesn't even have a particular. People thought that after D Doug Baldwin retired, was that really going to be the end of it? You still have Tyler Lockett. You got Chris Carson. But then you elevate all these receivers. Tom Brady never had superstar wide receivers. He had Randy Moss. He had a lot of these guys. But then it was short term. They all moved on. Julian Edelman now becomes a really good receiver. The only difference in New England and in Seattle's case. New England always had a system they lived by. They have the quarterback they have the offensive line. 
Weapons come and go, but it's all about the system. And it was all about how Bill Belichick put that together. Seattle, Pete Carroll is defensive-minded, loves his defense, loves his secondaries. Russell Wilson came in, late draft pick. He was criticized by his size. But then the second, his abilities took over. He won team captain. He's won a Super Bowl. Seattle always seems to punch their tickets into the playoffs. Always. And it doesn't matter what receivers Russell Wilson has. He's had numerous receivers ever since his rookie year. Sidney Rice, um, Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Jermaine Curse, Tyler Lockett. You now you you fast forward and you've got DK Metcalf and you've got all these other you know unknown wide receivers I haven't even heard of, but yet still Russ continues to be himself. He continues to be the quarterback that he is. This is why he is Seattle's franchise. The fact that you don't have a great, healthy offensive line, he still manages to make it happen. One of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. He still continues to win games, and he still continues to be efficient. People are now starting to figure that out about Russ. And why that he is worth every penny you pay him. He's worth it. And in other stories beyond it, I mean, you got the Raiders tonight in Vegas, inaugural opening of Allegiant Stadium. It's going to be pressurized. You've got the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, all of these guys ready to go. It's going to be tough. You've got no fans in the stands. Hard to get juice, hard to get momentum. It's hard. Not sure how this is going to pan out. But I think we're going to have a really good game. But I think it's going to be interesting all the way through. Um, but man, all these NFL games, and I'll have a whole breakdown on all of them when I uh, when I come back coming up next. Um, the other thing of it is too, you got the NBA that is right there in championship circle. I'm still very optimistic on on various series just to get to the NBA finals. Um, and also, I'll be take, talking a little bit more on baseball as well. But I think this this has been a really, really good weekend. It's been a great weekend to come back to. Back to the hard, grindy work. Another work week. Um, but I'm glad to be here with all of you guys. Don't go anywhere. The Snake Sports Talk Show will be right back here on the Spotlight Sports Network.
All righty, folks. Welcome back here to the Snake Sports Talk Show. I'm very glad all of you guys have tuned in. If you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like us, and also hit the notification button for all the latest episodes and for future episodes on the Spotlight Sports Network as well. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of different things have happened. A lot of different changes have happened, even just coming back from vacation. Um, but I'm glad to get myself up to speed. But these are a lot of changes that I'm really, really excited for. So, um, so of course, the NBA championships, you've got the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And then you also got the LA Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. And again, in hopes, thinking that, you know, the Clippers would make it to the, the, uh, the Western Conference Final. Obviously, the cards didn't go their way. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting, but Denver is telling you, Denver's telling you they are not the type of team to put, to push around. They're not. And this is one that I think is very, very interesting of a young core team with Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic. And I think that this is interesting, but so far right now, you've got Miami leading 2-1 to one over Boston. And I think that that is a great series that's going to end up going into seven. And I still am optimistic that I think Boston is going to make it into the championship. Uh, they'll make it into the finals. However, in the Western Conference, look at how the... the, the um, look at exactly how the road is paved. The road is paved for LeBron James. To make it, what were the breaks he got? Well, one, he got a break against Dallas. He got a break against the Clippers. He's been given so many breaks. The pandemic, by the way, gave him a break because he's now well rested. He's ready to go. And he's looking exactly like the LeBron that all of us watch. All the time. And now you've added Anthony Davis. And AD, finally, finally he is not disappearing. That had always been the problem with Anthony Davis during the fourth quarters. Is he disappear? Not even sure where. But watching all throughout the series and watching throughout the games... This has now been a different change of scenery for the LA Lakers. And maybe this is where the cards are now flipping their way. But LeBron, everybody continuously lowballs him. But in his 17th year, he's never looked better than where he's at, leading the league in assists in the regular season. And then at the same time, he has done everything that he can to ensuring that the Lakers. The status quo is on their side. That is specifically what LeBron James has done all throughout the playoffs. And even before making it in. This is why it was important for the Lakers to make the playoffs in the first place. Was not sure where the championship outcome was going to come at. Because there were still so many questions. Rajon Rondo, KCP, uh, Alex Caruso. There were so many questions to the Lakers. I wasn't sure how the championships was going to be shaped, but 
However, I just feel like that how things have been shaped. I've been very excited to see how the Eastern Conference is feeling like because, good God, Jimmy Butler is absolutely like looking like his best. We ain't even talking about Chicago. We're not even talking about Philly. We're not even talking about any of that. But the fact that he comes into Miami, a young core team who hadn't made playoffs in six years since LeBron James departed, who hadn't made the playoffs, Eric Spolstra is still a hell of a coach. And this is experience against experience. Eric Spolstra and Brad Stevens. Both of them, I think, are very dynamic coaches. Both of them, I think, they basically shape the floor the way that it's supposed to. And so, at the end of the day, I mean, good God, it is, it's interesting to see how that really pays off. But this is something that even in the NBA playoffs is one that I did not anticipate. I anticipated more of Boston making it into the finals. And they're still in the Eastern Conference Championship. But now you've got Miami that the second they made the playoffs, they've been on a tear. Bam Adebayo stopping shots. Jimmy Butler making the important buckets. And everybody's getting elevated around him. Everybody's elevating around him. And then you've got the Lakers who have had a ton of breaks. The Clippers was maybe one of the biggest breaks. Then you have the Denver Nuggets, who, again, I've said so much about Damian Lillard. I've said so much about Donovan Mitchell and so many others. But Jamal Murray has definitely hit my list now of top five of my, like in my list, my favorite shooters I love to watch. Jamal Murray has definitely been a guy I enjoyed watching and I see him make the decisions he makes and man, he doesn't go a day without a bucket. That is one that has really caught my attention from there, but I still do believe that the Boston Celtics will make it to the finals. Um, it won't come easy. I think it would go to seven games and as far as for the Lakers and the Nuggets, <sighs> It's interesting, but I do see the game going to seven. It's not going to be easy, but some, somewhere, something just tells me that this is paving the way for LeBron to make the finals again. That's what it's looking like. So, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm still optimistic on Boston, but the Lakers, I feel like, are having a, a really good paveway to making it into the finals. And I'm not sure how the outcome is going to be. It's not going to be taken lightly, mind you, but I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's truly going to be interesting. Uh, time now for the hot press. So uh, we just got this new source that apparently uh, multiple sources have broken down that the running back for the Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, is likely to be out um, for multiple weeks after suffering an ankle injury yesterday uh, in the loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he was injured with at least 1330 left in the clock. And 
through that game, he had rushed for 19, uh, 19 times, 59 yards, and two touchdowns with four catches before the injury happened. Um, and so this is going to be uh, – that's a pretty much going to be a hard loss for a little bit of time. Uh, they did say multiple weeks. We're not exactly sure how um, this will be in, This will be interesting, how this will pan out, but um, it will be interesting. Um, so, of course, as I mentioned, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson tossing five touchdowns in the C, uh, Seahawks win. Uh, he's, he, again, I feel like Russell Wilson has very much elevated himself to a higher degree. Um, it finally paid off. Now, of course, no longer with Tom Brady against the New England Patriots last night, but it shows you so much about what Russell Wilson is capable of. And this is a guy who played his tail off. And so seeing, seeing how he finished, he had 21 of 28 passes for 288 yards, five touchdowns, and he completed at least 52 of 63 passes. And that was, and, and this is all through a stretch of two games. So this is a stretch of two games. 52 of 63, 610 yards, nine touchdowns, one pick. You can't tell me that, that, that those are not MVP caliber numbers. Those are ridiculous numbers. And that is a guy, and this is what we said. They're finally, they are finally living to the hope and living to the hype saying, let Russ cook. It's paying off. It's paying off for the Seattle Seahawks, and it's paying off for Russ as well. He finally gets the opportunity to put the game in his hands and let him do his thing. That's it. Um, so, of course, rumored reports for the, uh, the Chargers after their loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, 23-20. But, however, Justin Herbert impressed everybody in the NFL um, after his, after his, uh, his rookie debut, drafted sixth overall. And, um, man, it's crazy. So, this is what's going to be interesting. Um, so they've said even with the even with the uh, the performance with Justin Herbert, Tyrod Taylor is still going to be the Chargers starter if he's healthy. I'm not sure exactly how that this is going to pan out, and we'll see exactly what will happen. But I mean, you 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 you've seen, and here's what's interesting: Justin Herbert joins a class as the only top ten quarterback to throw for more than 300 yards in the first start and still lose in 2001. You know who was a part of that? Andrew Luck and Cam Newton. Those were the two big-time quarterbacks. Cam's in New England. Andrew Luck's retired, but when you watched Andrew Luck in, all throughout the game in, um, in Indy, it changed it all. And this is a kid that is going to have a bright future. He's got a really good, healthy offensive line, and he's got something really to prove. And this is going to be interesting, and I still think this is going to be a bright future for the Chargers, but I'm not sure as far as the quarterback uh, decisioning is going to be, but I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and finally, uh, by the way, kudos and congratulations to um, former uh, defensive back Deion Sanders. Uh, so they made this announcement that Jackson State is now announcing that the former defensive back 
and Hall of Famer Deion Sanders will be their next head coach. Um, so this will be interesting. So, and congratulations to Deion Sanders for getting the nod of being the head coach uh, at Jackson State. I think I hope the absolute best and bright future um, for the for the um, the program. I think this is going to be fun. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure. And knowing Dion, very defensive minded, but he's also a guy that when he sees the talent, he knows exactly how to pick it up, and he knows exactly how to build upon it. So this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting, I would say, for a very, very long time. But we'll see exactly how the cards add up here for um, for Dion. I think this is great, and I think this was probably the best ending for um, this kid. But man, um, I hope the absolute best for him. I think this is going to be great. So that was your hot press. So coming up next, I think there are going to be some interesting storylines. And I'm also going to have some teams, five of them, five that I think are in the hot seats that I think that if something does not give now, there's going to be massive changes. I'll explain that, but also I'll have five teams that I think have shaped our mindsets and I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You don't want to end up missing that Snake Sports Talk show here on the Spotlight Sports Network.
All right, folks. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank all of you guys for being here on the show with me today. Uh, lots and lots of fun here. I'm very, very glad to be back, especially from a long vacation. Um, sometimes, you know, I always have this thought in my head of like, did the vacation last long enough? Um, but of course, sometimes certain vacations do come to ends. Um, but I'm glad to be back home. I feel more refreshed and I, I feel great. And I'm very, very glad to be back here up on the show, being here with all of you guys. And so, um, here on the best for last. So I've noticed a lot and we know we've only gotten two weeks of football, but there are a lot of speculations that are roaming around from certain teams. And there's five of them that I, that I've picked off five of them that I think are in the hot seats to at some point need to make changes and some that I think have made the changes already and they are looking really, really good. So uh, let's start with the teams that are in the hot seat. So number five, number five right now, you can already tell is the Dallas Cowboys. The only reason why that I put the Dallas Cowboys in that position is because there is a ton of uncertainties. Not sure exactly how this team is really going to perform, but the way the things that that went their way, Dak Prescott had one good game. But mind you, this Atlanta Falcons team, they need a change. And you'll see exactly where, where I have them sitting, but because this is going to be interesting all throughout the season. But they lose against the Rams, who the Rams are making a big-time statement. Um, but... Dallas, there's too much uncertainty. Not sure exactly how the you know the coaching scheme is going to be built. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this team is capable of. But this is going to be interesting. This is going to be one that you just have no idea how this is going to build. How this is going to, to really, um, how this is really going to shape for the rest of the season. I'm very optimistic on that. Uh, number four, I mean, you kind of you kind of look at this team already. You know that they're already in the hot seat, and that's the Detroit Lions. Look, we've said this over and over again. I have them up at number four only because there have been some changes they made. Now, of course, the only reason that they're there in the hot seat is because of the fact of the um. There's a, there's a reason why too that that you know Matt Patricia and his performance and how the Detroit Lions have really kind of shaped themselves. It hasn't looked good. This is a team as well. That again, this is a team I, I see as getting into the Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields sweepstakes. I feel like this would be a team that would be fit for Justin Fields. Um, but it will be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out. But I do think there is a ton of changes. The Detroit Lions, we know, are reshaping themselves, but this is a franchise that really needs to get themselves going. Uh, number three, and this is what's going to be interesting for everybody, the one team that's on the hot seat. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, this is a team that, again, I think the Houston Texans at this point. Because right now they're 0-2. And this is a team that lost DeAndre Hopkins, a team that has a horrible offensive line. This is not good. This is not good. 
And Deshaun Watson is constantly showing you why he needs help and why he needs support. We talk about Aaron Rodgers all the time, but Green Bay has shaped themselves to right now they're 2-0. But Houston right now, no DeAndre Hopkins, not a healthy offensive line. This is not looking good for the Houston Texans. A lot of these, a lot of these pieces are going to be wore out. I feel like Deshaun Watson's going to get hurt again. And then what is that going to do now for the Houston's organization? Are you finally going to give this man support? <sighs> Number two, I think that the Atlanta Falcons right now are definitely up in the hot seat. My colleague and I had talked about this last night just before coming in. And listen, Dan Quinn, uh, they lost a lot of defensive pieces. They've lost a lot of stuff. But the offense, of course... I feel like this needs to be a change to where the offense really has to click. The defense has to build. Um, they got a lot of really good pieces. Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley. But this defense and these play callings, they're, they're making bonehead play calls. And it's something that the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank, trusts his people. But I feel like right now, with where Dan Quinn is sitting, that if they lose three more times, that's it. Because this is where the Atlanta Falcons really needed to shape themselves. And this is exactly where they've got to make that move. They got to make that change and better hope sooner than later. Uh, so my number one team that I think is in the hot seat is definitely the New York Jets. And listen, a lot of people want to tell me the Jets are terrible. They want to tell me that this Jets organization is a complete dumpster fire. It is a complete mess. Um, listen, Sam Darnold is their franchise quarterback. You know what the problem is? Adam Gase has not exceeded expectations. He's come very, very short and flat. The other problem, because you haven't really unleashed Sam Darnold's full potential. That's the problem. You want to talk about... Uh, Baker Mayfield. You want to talk about Josh Allen and you want to talk about Lamar Jackson. Sam Darnold, when you give him a healthy offensive line and you give him a pocket to throw, he's unbelievable to watch. He's a really, really good kid. But Adam Gase and where this is sitting for the New York Jets, this is not good for them. It's not. And Adam Gase literally has not he has not opened up the full potential for Sam Darnold to potentially go off throughout the season. And who knows? Who knows exactly what the season is going to bring? But it is interesting. And I, I, just, I just feel like right now the Jets, they need to make some serious changes. This is an organization that is they're turning themselves into a dumpster fire. And it has been unlucky for a team in a division where the Bills, they're winning the division. New England seems to stay stable. And the Dolphins, they've got a bright future ahead of them. And if the Jets are not keeping up in their division, this is going to be bad news. Um, So there's a, those are my five that I think are in the hot seats uh, from here. I definitely do think the Dallas Cowboys... Um, I'm not putting myself with the Philadelphia Eagles just yet. I'm going to see exactly what the next couple weeks are going to bring. If it still does not pan out well, this is going to be bad. So I've got the De I've got the, the, the Dallas Cowboys at number five, Detroit Lions at four. 
Um, the Houston Texans at three, the um, the Atlanta Falcons at number two, and of course the New York Jets at number one. So let's look at some of the surprises here. Um, for on the flip side, on the positive side. So the LA Chargers, of course, everybody is looking at them like, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is, you know, this isn't even going to be a big time team. This is a team that is shooting for the playoffs. This is a team that is shooting for the playoffs. They are eliminating all of these criticisms on this organization. And Justin Herbert, by the way, again, he is the future of this franchise. It's not Tyrod Taylor. Justin Herbert showed you exactly. 22 of 33, 311 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. What more could you possibly ask than that? I know it's only one game, but this is precisely the pavement to shaping for the future. This is what it's meant to be. And this is kind of something that's going to be interesting. Um, and I'm excited for it. But I think the Chargers, they're sending a message to the rest of the NFL. And listen, I will take a 23-20 loss rather than a 35-10. And they're sending a message that they are not the type of team to mess around with this year. They're not. This is a team that's on a mission. They went 5-11. and It was embarrassing. It was horrible. And they've got their future bright with Justin Herbert. But beyond that, you've got great corners. You've got great pass rushers. You've got a really good, healthy offensive line. This Chargers team is going to be interesting all throughout this year. So, of course, a lot of people wanted my opinions on the uh, the LA Rams. I think this is going to be interesting um, how this is going to build. But um, I just I, I feel like that, you know, the LA Rams, how they're picking themselves up J again, Jared Goff and Sean McVay, they're making they're making plays happen. Um, and Robert Woods just signed an extension. Cooper Cup is still staying stable. There is a lot of things that the LA Rams are trying to pick themselves up, but Aaron Donald still staying as a top five NFL player. Um, Jalen Ramsey, big time shutdown se uh, secondary player. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out for the LA Rams. But this is going to be interesting all throughout this this season. But that is kind of just the five, the the you know the number four team that I think is going to be really good. Both LA teams are looking really really interesting. But I do think those two right there, the way that I've seen this and the way that they've shaped, really kind of caught my attention from here. So number three is definitely the Buffalo Bills. How many times do we have to tell you? This is one that Josh Allen needed a deep threat. They got one in, in Stefan Diggs. The second they fixed their problem, Buffalo's been looking really good. And Josh Allen is a transformative talent that nobody liked the second he got drafted from Wyoming. He is a kid that is going to do really, really good things. He is going to elevate this organization, and he's going to elevate this offense where it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. I think this is kind of something that, in the midst of everything, Buffalo's got some interesting stuff. And this has been their wide open year to winning the, a the AFC East. I I know for a fact, I feel like they are going to win it. And I think this is going to be great for the Buffalo Bills' future for the next years ahead. 
So the number two, of course, that I'm saying as of right now that I think is kind of interesting, um, I'm looking at it as kind of something that we'll see exactly what the year will shape for them. But the Tennessee Titans, this has been really, really good for them. I was very skeptical about how Ryan Tannehill was going to play because of the new contract. Uh, Derek Henry did get shut down all throughout the game. But man, did he, when Tannehill put the ball in his hands, I think this system works. I think this system with Mike Vrabel really works for Tennessee and for Ryan Tannehill. Because the second coming in, this is a guy who, under Adam Gase's system, again, Miami was so short. But then you come in to a Tennessee organization with a really good with a really good head coach who's got a great head on his shoulders, knows how to put his boot down. But man, his system, I think, really, really works. And I think Tannehill fits the bill. Maybe this is exactly why they gave him the contract extension. I felt like because of how long Tannehill's been in the league, was not sure how this was going to be. But man, he's impressing me right now. So the number one team that I think that has really interested me throughout two weeks has been the Arizona Cardinals. I'm watching Kyler Murray, and I anticipated this. I think Kyler Murray's elevating to the best of his extent, uh, as second-year young quarterbacks really are. But at the same time, you're looking at wide receivers like DeAndre Hopkins playing really, really well. It's showing you why Houston looks like a complete dumpster fire right now. And Arizona... I mean, you're you're pl- you're talking about a tough division in the NFC West with Russell Wilson in in Seattle. Um, I think at that time you got the Rams with Sean McVay, and you've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Now, I think it's going to be interesting because I now had resources that Nick Bosa is going to be sidelined for a long time. This is going to be interesting to see how the Arizona Cardinals really boost themselves, but I think they're really in the driver's seat this year. I, I I knew for a fact that Kyler Murray was going to pop, but I was not sure how this team was going to perform, especially in the toughness of their division. But at the same time, you look at this NFC and you look at exactly all these teams that are are that are stacked, they're loaded. Arizona is going to look interesting. This is going to be interesting. So those are the 10 teams all together and they're dispersed by five different categories. So of course, you know, the five teams that I think are struggling that they need to make change is the Dallas Cowboys, the, um, the Detroit lions, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons, and of course the New York jets. Those are the five teams I know that are in the hot seats. They need to make changes and they need to make changes quick. Um, and the top five teams that are really taking surprises, the Chargers, the Rams, um, uh, the Buffalo Bills, for one, the Tennessee Titans, and of course, the Arizona Cardinals at number one. I think this is going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season runs, but as far as just an early two-week preview, these are some really, really good stuff. So thank you all for joining me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and hit the notification button for all of the latest episodes and future episodes from the show. Also, like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, follow us on Spotify and Twitch to get more of the show and also more of the network, the Spotlight Sports Network, your home for the Snake Sports Talk Show. This is Jake the Snake signing off. Have a great Monday and have a great week ahead. And we were going to pick things up 
big time this next up and coming weekend. See you, see you Saturday, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Take care. Of yourself.